This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and a big warm welcome to the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get-together to discuss the last seven days supporting Southampton Football Club. We're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, do make sure that you hit the subscribe button and then you'll be the first to see all of our new videos. As always, a massive thank you to our TSP patrons who make all of this possible. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. So coming up this week on the pod, just when you thought the season was over, Saints pick up a point at Arsenal and keep the hopes of survival alive. But it could have been more. And will those dropped points prove vital? And there are six points up for grabs this week with two huge games, Bournemouth at home on Thursday and Newcastle away on Sunday. We will preview both of those matches. My name is Martin Stark and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, who's the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LeCour is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten and Jacob Tanswell is the Southampton reporter for The Athletic. All underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 230 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. Now, before the game, we'd have probably taken a point against the league leaders, but in the end, it was a result that didn't really suit either side. 3-3, the final score at the Emirates. Steve, I'm going to start with you. You were there on Friday. Could you believe that start? Were you in your seats when we took the lead? Uh, Yeah, I was was in, yeah, I was in quite early, actually, basically on a, just on the basis of, oh, can we just get this done with, please? Um, (laughs) (laughs) kind Kind of thought process. And yet, yeah, I mean, that was just madness. I mean, let's 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 be honest here. Arsenal gave us um, that opening start. That was just it was just extraordinary. From I mean, Ram, Ramsdale has been prone to this throughout his entire career, and and obviously he's he started well at Arsenal, but there have been little signs just creeping in that that he's kind of just slipping back into old ways. And I think um, there have been sort of peri- like moments the last probably 
month or so where kind of all those people who were shouting for him to be um, England number one ahead of Jordan Pickford um, have kind of fairly firmly been put back in their box for the time being, I think. And yeah, I mean, it's an extraordinary start. And I mean, the fact that we, we then managed to um, kind of double down on that with the with the Walcott goal only what 13 14 minutes later um, all of a sudden you've you've given yourself a huge um, huge opportunity I mean we were still obviously well up against it regardless I mean let's not not forget it was only what a month or so ago that Bournemouth were um, were two up I think on the hour they they scored their second goal um, and Arsenal still still found the found the way and the the quality to come back so it was always still going to be going to be tough but actually I thought I thought defensively we were we were pretty sound I mean that they were they were obviously going to create something but I mean up until basically the end the the last I mean that crazy last sort of two minutes of normal time plus plus injury time I don't think Bazunu's had a save to make could no. you sense the nervousness in 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 the stadium and, and and the atmosphere for that first half hour once we we got at them? Um, not hugely because they were still running at us. They were still they were still kind of forcing open space, if you like, in the wide areas. Martinelli and and Saka caused absolute havoc to Perro and Walker Peters, who obviously both got booked in the fir- in the first half mm. for kind of pulling the guys back, which obviously is um is a much uh, much more serious offence than basically nearly uh, nearly breaking a guy's neck, um, which didn't didn't attract the attention of uh, Simon Hooper whatsoever. But yeah, I, th- I think there was it wasn't nervousness as such. It was it was frustration um, certainly from from the from the home crowd. I mean, it's the loud the loudest I've ever seen the Emirates. Um, I mean, it's a very low bar to clear, obviously. But it was um, but yeah, it was it was loud pretty much from the start, almost throughout, basically up until probably around 75 minutes at which point kind of they'd not had a shot on target in the second half they'd only really mustered probably one chance which was that one that Jesus willied over from close from close range and at that point there were there were a few people starting to um kind of trundle away and thinking well I know what the tube's like I'm getting out of here and I'd it was literally probably about 30 seconds to a minute or so um before the before Odegaard scored that second goal, that you kind of looked around and it it genuinely felt like Arsenal had run out of ideas at that point. And I think the crowd had resigned themselves to that as well. That was the point where it felt like we've actually got probably 90% of the job done here. And then Odegaard magics a goal out of nothing. And I don't think I don't think there's any blame to be had on anybody for um for the way that goal was was manufactured. Um and then all of a sudden you've you've given them given them something to to cling on to and um, I mean, you could physically see people rushing back in down the um, uh, down the aisles, back into their seats, which was faintly ridiculous. At the end of the day, they they put enough pressure on us. Not sure we not sure we quite regained our heads. Um, you could see like immediately, a couple of minutes into the into the extra into the sort of added on time period, Ward Prowse goes down injured um, on the edge of the area. That's that's clearly a, a tactic to try and take the sting out of things and let let everybody regroup and get get their head screwed back on because we were we were absolutely losing the plot for for five minutes there and i mean you could you could argue argue that we kind of got away with it to to an extent but i think we we were probably good value having having scored the goals that we did and we kept them kept them kind of at arm's length for for the vast majority of it it was just the just those last those last few minutes that that did us unfortunately 
we'll get into the the team selection and the goals in just a minute, Glenn. But when that second Arsenal goal went in, there was kind of that inevitability, wasn't it? We all knew how this was going to end, and we weren't getting away there three two. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what what was the second goal? Eighty eight minutes, mm. and um, I, I don't think the the board had gone up yet for how much time was left or was going to be added. Um, you know, the eight minutes. But uh, yeah, once they got back to 3-2, you could see we were kind of done. And it was just a case of whether they'd, they'd get another shot on target. And um, unfortunately, I mean, the third goal was from the very next attack. You know, it's another parry back into a dangerous area by Bazuna. It would be harsh to blame him too much for that. But uh, yeah, it was unfortunate. And um, Saka reacted quicker than um, than we did. I think Belakochap slipped over as well. So yeah, there was there was an inevitability about it. And then, of course, when the eight minutes went up, you're thinking, we're going to lose now. And, um, <laughs> and, and Simon Hooper got into full, oh, this is a great story, Arsenal comeback mode, because he just then stopped giving us anything. I mean, there's, there was, um, there was the, the sprint by Suleimana down the down the oh, right hand side where he got barged he got, off the ball. He got barged by Odegaard. It was like an American football tackle, and then Nelson smashed into him. And to be honest, technically that should be a red card because he hasn't even he hasn't played the ball. He hasn't even gone to play the ball. He's just smashed into him. It's um, it's an absurd challenge. And Simon Hooper was like, "Oh no, this is a great story. Play on." <laughs> and um, yeah, so in the end, it was. Um, you know, it was it was good to get to the end, obviously, and uh, and get a point out of it. But it's um, it's not enough. Both teams lost. Basically, Arsenal needed a win. We needed a win. And having been having been two goals up, you know, we've we've kind of blown it. And uh, it's a it's a shame. And you know, we um, <laughs> I know we you know we might talk about the. I mean, the substitution at the end is mm. murder. It's mm. murder. I mean, unless unless Lavia's dead on his feet and can't move. You, it's a bad substitution for two reasons, because it's it's brought on an inferior player, massively inferior player. And he's, whoever gets brought on has really got to get up to speed straight away. And it's it's just, you know, unless Lavia couldn't move, it's it's just a, an absurd substitution to make at 88 minutes, even though we are 2-0 up. Oh, sorry, two goals up. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that that... <laughs> I mean that was obviously at three one. That that gave me a bad feeling, and then they scored straight away, and it's just like oh here we here we go. Yeah. Jacob, go. it's probably a good idea that the game was on a Friday because I guess you needed the Saturday to recover. I mean, how do you sum it up? I think you might have said in one of your your pieces at any other time of the season that's a really good result, but unfortunately, it, it's not, is it? It, it? It's a huge opportunity that we've 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 blown there. Yeah, Sellers admitted afterwards that his two points dropped. I think, you know, Steve alluded to it, but at the full-time whistle, it went from everyone at the Emirates stood up, deafening noise to, oh, and just silence. No no one really moving on the pitch either. It was it was quite bizarre, but I thought, I really liked what Southampton did for a, a large part of that game because although they had, what, 25% possession second half, they were still trying to be pro- proactive. You know, Lavia was still trying to get put pressure onto Odegaard or onto Partey. And I thought for the, for the most part, even though they went back to a back five, I think that kind of helped Southampton. I know we'll probably get onto the Charlie Alcaraz substitution, but I can see the thinking behind it. I watched throughout the first half. I was thinking, he's clearly one off the line. He's got an assist. He's got a goal. But Celis was screaming at him. He, Kyle Martin was screaming at him. He was not blocking the passing lane. Odegaard was receiving it and you know out wide as Steve said you know Saints were getting killed out there so I can understand that there's just a it's just a sinking feeling and deflation because 
if Slamton had picked up a win against Crystal Palace, against Leeds, against all these type of teams, then you'd be fantastic. Saints are in a good position, momentum into Thursday. But it's just that sense of another opportunity is gone. And I think, you know, when Warprouse went down in that 90th, whenever it was, 90th mm. minute or so, it reminded me of when Stuart Armstrong got booked for delaying kickoff at Old Trafford just desperate. just so they didn't score the 10th. Stop. Yeah, <laughs> just stop. Like, we, you know... Poor one, Unoachu as well. I thought was very disappointing. Like he, he got, he, I think he was offside from Gavin Bazuna kicking it long uh, after the restart, and I just thought that kind of just you know stops Southampton having that counter attacking threat as well. So yeah, overall a lot of positives, but you know, at the point of the season where positives aren't enough, are they? No, a lot of talk, Glenn, last week about false nines, and we actually started mm. our number nine on Friday, albeit Adam Armstrong, who doesn't really play as a nine, and another striker coming in from the cold, and <laughs> and, and next to no impact. It seems strange. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Started with uh, Joe Aribo last week, Ruben Sellers saying after the game that he was happy with his contribution on and off the ball when he thought he had a good game. Then he finds himself out of the yeah. team and, and somebody else coming in. I do wonder if Sellers is sponsored by Make a Wish. You know, and he just brings in one player from nowhere every, every week. So, I mean, my money's on Mislav Orsic playing against um, against uh, Bournemouth because Up front why, on Thursday. Because why not? You know, he plays that sort of left wing role, so it's probably his turn to come in from the cold. Um, or Sam Adozi, you know, someone who's not done anything for weeks. Yeah, it was a, it was a strange one, very strange because. Adam Armstrong has not done anything all season, really. So for him to come back in for this game, I mean, we actually set up a little bit like, you know, the, like the classic Jurgen Klopp team at Liverpool with the with the false nine and the two wingers sort of pushing on, if you like, Walcott and Armstrong. And you you could kind of see the the theory behind it. And we said a couple of weeks ago that, you know, revisiting the false nine thing might not be bad for this game against Arsenal. I mean, it's a problem when you do it at home to Crystal Palace. But over, overall, it, it was better than I thought it was going to be. And it really played into our hands, you know, Ramsdale throwing us a goal in the first minute because it was a team, obviously, with Elianusi coming back in, it's a team that's set up to be solid. Virtually everyone is in that team for their defensive capability, um, such as, you know, such as it is relative to, uh, to other players. And, you know, it, it was okay. Getting the second goal was brilliant, but Arsenal were terrible in that first 20. They were all over the shop, but we were good enough, if you like, to take advantage. Alcaraz is probably the only player we've got who could have scored that first goal. Um, if he'd given it to anybody else, I very much doubt it would have ended up in the net. You could see um, him moving as well before he kicked it. It was yeah, that, that intuition yeah, just, that he, just, he's got. He, just, he spotted he, that that pass was coming. It was hiding behind party, wasn't he? So I wonder if Ramsdale just didn't see him when he when he threw it into midfield. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it, it was a strange one. It was a brilliant bit of anticipation, though. And, and the finish was really good because he didn't panic. He didn't try and beat, I think it was Gabriel that was in front mm. of him. He just saw, saw the angle and then... Um, and chocolate wrist did the rest because he got onto it. He should have done. He should have done better with that. Should have done, yeah. But you know, to to go one up, and it was a it was a wonderful ball from Alcaraz for the um, for the second goal because it's just perfectly weighted, and that's that's what Walcott is good at is the the runs into space ahead of the ball to to pick it up. We've got so few players who do that. In fact, we've probably got one player who does that, and and that that second goal was was great as well. But it was, um, yeah, Adam Armstrong was. Um, was strange and it, it was um I thought it was really noticeable that it was a you know it was a very high quality game in terms of the, the pace of it and obviously the quality of the opposition and our lesser players, let's call them that, um Adam Armstrong, Elinusi, Diallo, they barely touched the ball. Barely had barely touched the ball between them. I just don't think they were 
sort of up to playing in a game like that. And the, the, the issue, I think, at the end was caused by, you know, Diallo coming off of Lavia just gave us one more kind of player who was always going to struggle. Mm. And then we, we kind of caved in. And, uh, yeah, it's a shame. But I'll be, I'll be interested to see what, um, what the next instalment of the uh, 11th player, Tom Bowler, brings us on, um, on Thursday. Steve, you were talking last week about those early balls in for, for Walcott and saying if he was in a different side, he scores more goals. And, and that was a, a great play by Alcaraz to, to feed him in just in the right place and, and a good finish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was as I say, it was exactly what, what we'd seen him do over the years for Arsenal when and for England in, in similar situations as well. Basically, with Walcott, don't give him time to think about what he's going to do. Just let him finish on instinct and he's as good as anybody. You put you give him 40 yards to run into in in that time and he's got five different decisions to make. And that's that that's the point at which he probably makes a bit of a bit of a mess of it. But yeah, having someone who can actually spot and play those passes at the right time. I mean, it did help that um, Gabriel was all over the place. Uh, positionally in, uh, for that run because he was he was a good fight uh, like looking back on the highlights he was a good five yards behind everybody else Zinchenko yeah. was 15 yards ahead of everybody else and all of a sudden that gave us that that bit of space to to play in and and Alcaraz was um spotted that Walcott Walcott gave him gave him the point of where he wanted it because uh, I think ordinarily Alcaraz would have played it into into Walcott's path in the wide position yeah. Um, and then at that point, it's like, well, okay, can you can you still manufacture a bit of space to force a shot? Um, but playing it inside the centre back um, at, at the sort of very last moment, right just before he's going to make the run, you then basically give the defender absolutely no chance of of blocking anything off. And yeah, good finish by Walcott. And yeah, that, at that stage, you're thinking, what the hell is going on here? (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what we were all thinking. We'll get into some of the changes that we made. The first of those, Jacob, was Bednarak having to go off because of the the knock he took to the head. And it was an interesting argument he was having with the doctor on the sideline. And then he was involved with some of the coaching in the second half, having a word with Lianco and Saleta Sar as well, and just trying to point them in the right direction. That was That's definitely a player that was was giving everything he had and, and, and fighting for the cause on Friday. Yeah, he's been rebuilt now. I wonder if Glenn's changed his opinion on him. I think uh, I thought I've, I really enjoyed it in terms of Jan Benoit just arguing with the physio, wanting to come back on. Uh, obviously, was called a number of things by the Arsenal fans as he made his way around the around the pitch uh, to sit down and you know take his seat. And then second half, with his hood up, he went full Cristiano Ronaldo Euro 2016 and became a quasi-manager and fair play to Lianco and Sletus for listening because Bednarik likes to point a lot after every goal they concede he always it's, it seems to be the one that wants to quiz everyone and investigate what's gone wrong but I really like that for Bednarik you know six months ago he was on loan at Aston Villa not really doing much his reputation was shattered really he was out of the he didn't really play in the World Cup. Southampton fans couldn't stand him. And the fact he's come back in a difficult situation with Nathan Jones there, uh, he brought him back because he wanted to play three centre-backs. Uh, and he's continued to play under Sellers. And I think he's one of the few players, or not one of the few, that's being harsh, but one of the players that you look at and you think he's given it all. Uh, and when you compare that to another centre-back who's currently not in a squad because of a whatever injury, injury, they, yeah. injury yeah, um, take it how it is, then you can really see the difference. And maybe you've gone from Jan Bernick doing a short-term job so you could see him here next year even if they go down because his commitments are unwavering and you saw that the, uh, the other night it really has been a strange season hasn't it Glenn that switch to 
five at the back, I think for me, it came a bit too early. You can see why yeah. he did it. And I know he was trying to justify it afterwards about Perot and Walker Peters with the yellow cards and, you know, Alcaraz and, and giving him a bit of uh, grief from the sidelines. But 45 minutes plus is, is a long time to invite the pressure on when you're playing against a team that need the points to win the league. He's He's inherently a very defence-minded manager. And that seems to permeate through to everything he does. Uh, if you remember the, the two games that we've won under him against, against Chelsea and Leicester, it was around the hour mark, I think. He you know, took players off and, and went very defensive. And, um, and trying to do it from 45 minutes when you're only one goal up against Arsenal, well, yeah, I felt it was early as well. I didn't totally disagree with the formation change at the time because the idea was, I think, to get the fullbacks wider. So they didn't give Martinelli and Saka, who at the end of the day are two very, very good players, you know, as much space, especially with the fullbacks on yellow cards as well. So so I could kind of see the logic behind it. But taking our best player off was madness when you left Adam Armstrong on the pitch. If you're worried about Alcaraz closing down, shove him up front. Because you've 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 got a player there who's got a goal and an assist and been in the middle of everything that we've done positive going forward, but it doesn't seem to matter about that. It's it's like oh let let's let's get him off. It's just it's just crazy. I I cannot think of a single other manager in the league who would have taken him off at halftime, even though he was on a yellow card. He was our best player by a mile, and it, it but he just seems to be. You know, he just seems to be tarred with this brush about, you know, not not tracking back in the same way that Suleimana is in a way. And, you know, it's a it's a constant, constant irritation to me that there doesn't seem to be any balance between, you know, players who are in there for their defensive capabilities. I mean, you're, you, you know, you've already you, you picked Elinusi for that. So surely we can have one player who actually looks to make things happen at the other end of the pitch. We went 3-1 up. It was the first time we got we made any sort of foray up the pitch in the second half, and we won a corner. And uh, yeah, it's great, great Scored a corner for the first yeah, time. We really, got in how long? Yeah, it's great, great flick on, and uh, to see the big man at the back post, even, even, you know, up celebrating even before he edited it because <laughs> it's just it's just great. But that was the first time we got in their half because at the start of the second half, it was just like a line of five, a line of four, probably, and then. Um, Walcott up on his uh, no, not Walcott. Adam Armstrong up on his own, not holding the ball up or getting a touch. Mm. So, yeah, it was um, you know going going three one up was was a little bit fortunate, bearing in mind how little pressure we'd put on them in in the in the second half. But uh, but yeah, I don't I don't like taking off your best player just because he's attack minded. It just it just does my head. <laughs> Is it play stoppers, Steve? That was the kind of buzzword this week, wasn't it? You know, he's picking players because they're play stoppers rather than than goal scorers, and even the play stoppers couldn't stop the play for the last ten minutes. Well, the play stoppers couldn't stop the play because, unfortunately, Arsenal's ball boys were incredibly well trained. Um, <laughs> but the ball was the ball was never over that line for longer than three seconds. It was it was incredible. I mean, as Glenn said, I can kind of see where Sellers is coming from, but at the end of the day, these are Premier League players, and you've just got to trust that the best players on the pitch are able to get the job done. I mean, even if you, okay, fine, you want to you reshuffle things and, and um, take Alcaraz off to make sure he doesn't get a second booking. Okay, fine, do it on 65, 70 minutes. Give us that extra 20 minutes of higher quality in our midfield where yeah. 
actually we might force them back a little bit more, give them something else to think about. Yeah. And then take him off. Okay, fine. He's he's played 70 minutes, he's he's run himself into the ground. And okay, now we're gonna go now we're gonna shift to, to full on defensive mode. Extra extra centre back on, we readjust because everybody everybody's practiced this system before, supposedly. And and yeah, everyone so everyone knows their jobs, everyone knows what they've got to do when when we when we switch to that system. It's it shouldn't need to be something that takes place at half time. So yeah, I think that was a little bit frustrating. Also agree with Glenn on the on the Lavia um substitution. If he's if he's not actually injured, you've just got to leave him there because he's up to up to the pace of the game. Yes, okay, his legs are his legs are tiring, but everybody's legs are tiring. I mean, you saw you saw the way that basically all twenty two players collapsed on the ground. Um, when that final whistle went, it was, mm. I mean, it was exhausting to watch. Uh, so I can't, I can't begin to imagine how knackering that game was, um, to be playing in it, especially with, I mean, best part of 20 minutes added on. Um, I mean, I don't know when Simon Hooper got the, um, uh, got the call from PGMOL to say, oh, by the way, tonight we're doing the, um, we're doing the World Cup group stage injury time. <laughs> um, so we're, we're basically going to play forever and, uh, yeah, that was, that, I mean, that was just nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Given given how little time we were actually able to waste because of the because of the Arsenal ball boys, we weren't able to waste the, the, any sort of time that would justify having that much um, added on at either end of the game. Um, absolutely ridiculous. And if he's trying to kind of prove a point in in some way, then I mean, you've got you've got to be fair to everybody, and it's it's got to be something that happens for a season, not for one individual game, because you think um, one team is gonna is gonna try and waste time. All the, every team wastes time against the top teams. Um, Newcastle when they went to when they went to the Emirates around Christmas time, they were I mean, it's it was typical Eddie Howe. It was basically stop the game, make sure that um, the game can't restart. Everybody rolls around injured, um, and you just you just absolutely take the p- to the nth degree. We weren't we weren't doing that. Like literally, we we had to be assaulted for for us to even get a free kick, and even that wasn't enough in that in that um, <laughs> last five minutes with with Sulemana. Whereas we we breathe on an Arsenal player, and yep, free free mm. kick. Everybody's everybody's got a retreat, and uh, and Arsenal get the ball again. It's absolutely ridiculous. Picture the scene: all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. 
Well, it's a point we weren't expecting, let's be honest. Um, mm. Six games to go. Two of those are going to be in the next week. Whatever happened this weekend, we are still only four points away from safety, which is complete <laughs> madness. Uh, it's Bournemouth on Thursday. Jacob, are you nervous about this or excited? Because as far as I'm concerned, we know what happens and it ends with us losing 1-0. I was excited before the game was Crystal Palace, but I've been firmly put back into my place. I'm extremely nervous because... Bournemouth, if you've seen them before, with Gary O'Neill, they're set up to counter. They can really only play one way and all their success this season has been on transition. And I do worry that Slampton, especially with St Mary's hoodoo and the the atmosphere, it could fall flat quite quickly. I know it's a South Coast derby, but with the way Bournemouth play, a low block, I think Slampton are quite slow in terms of breaking teams down and they've got that pace on the counter-attack. And I just worry that Slampton are going to commit too much, especially their full-backs pushing up. And then you've got Watara, you've got Solanke, who can really exploit the space in behind. And I could see it being a quite a frustrating evening. But both teams are not, not that good in defending set pieces either. So that could potentially be an avenue Slampton can exploit going the other way. But it's going to be a game that I think Slampton need to get an early goal. Otherwise, they'll just continue to be laboured. And I see, I see the same way as the Crystal Palace game will go. We've been here before, haven't we, Glenn? I mean, if we beat Bournemouth, mm. we could be one point from safety and, and back in the scrap, lose. And to be honest, we don't deserve to be in the league anyway, do we, if we can't beat Bournemouth at home? No, I said this months ago, if we can't beat Bournemouth at home, you don't deserve to stay up anyway. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to be one point from safety, but it's um, we're still the turd that won't flush, aren't we? We're still only, <laughs> we're still only, only four points. It's, it's, it's mad. But yeah, we've been here. We've been here lots of times and... Again, repeating myself, boring. We have to win. There are no, no, not not many more chances coming along, are there? So, um, yeah, I mean, Bournemouth have got to a position of relative safety because they've, you know, they've won their six pointers, and they've, um, and they beat the out of form big teams. They beat Liverpool. They beat Spurs. Whereas you could argue that you know we drew we drew with Man United with ten men and mm. you know we drew having been three one up against Arsenal so they've they've done what they needed to do and and uh, you got to say fair play to them because you know I've been saying all season I thought they finished flat last and they're they're not going to they're nine points ahead of us so even if we win on Thursday there's still a hell of a difference but I mean this this really gets them over the line doesn't it if they win so I'm sure they're going to. They go for it, it, even though they've had a right slap today because, you know, they would have thought the same going into today's game, especially with West Ham having played in Europe a couple of days mm. ago. So, uh, so yeah, today today was a bad one. And I don't really know what that means for the, for the game against us because, yes, it's nice that they got a bit of a kick in and obviously their best player, Jack Stevens, won't be able to play against us. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they set up and... Uh, yeah, like like Jacob says, I think the the first goal is is going to be massive in that. But if we score the first goal <laughs> after twenty minutes, I can I could see Ruben taking off any every player that's got any attacking intent intent whatsoever, and we'll just just end up with Lianco and Chiletazar in midfield, and and that'll be the end of that. Just booting the ball miles. So uh, yeah, interesting to see how we approach it. It could come down to the corners, Steve. If their result of the weekend was anything to go by. Yeah, I mean. From from what I gather, I've not seen the goals yet, but by all accounts, they were absolutely atrocious in the first half today. So yeah, I mean, if we're, in, I mean, if if our analytics and scouting guys have got anything about them, then notes passed passed to uh, coaching and management team are work on work on attacking set pieces and work on them hard and fast because if we get corners, 
that Bournemouth, that Bournemouth back four, especially without the guy that's basically organising them. That was the one, the one thing that we always credited Jack Stevens with is that he was a good organiser of other people. Um, not necessarily so good at organising his own game, but um, but he was really good at organising those around him. Um, yeah. His communication is excellent, and they'll miss they'll miss having that um, on Thursday because he obviously can't play. So I mean, I'm not sure who who they'll bring in, in instead of him. But it'll be a step down in communications stakes. And of course, it'll be a defender that's not been playing in the team that's been doing perfectly reasonably the last what month or so. So yeah, set pieces are gonna be are gonna be massive. And I mean it'd be interesting to see whether Bednarek's available at the other end, because I mean he's he kind of feels like he's the sort of de facto organizer now. Um I mean, as Jacob said, he's always the one most certainly the most vocal after we've conceded. Whether whether that extends to organise people um, before the goals go in or not, I'm not. Not it's a shame we don't get points for huddles. If we got points for huddles, we'd be all right. Right (laughs) We're we're good at organising huddles, aren't we? And having a chat about it. Um, Just, I mean, Jacob, it's it's a gift that we've been given, isn't it? I mean, win this and and we're back in it. But I just, I'm really, really nervous about this 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 game. In a way, I I think uh, a friend said if we'd have lost on Friday night, then you'd have got over it on Saturday morning and, and moved on and, and that'd be fine but it's been playing on my mind that you know there's still a there's still a glimmer of hope it, it's just the hope isn't it I think after every single home defeat I think you always go oh, that's it Dan let's prepare for the championship but then you have these performances which it's been a theme throughout Celeste's tenure really so, so far in terms of doing well against the bigger teams and terrible against the, you know, the six pointers but it's that hope what I would like to see and I think we see that against the bigger teams is a bit more width I think at St Mary's it's too processed and I think that gets a little bit misconstrued with being defensive I think Slampton and Sellers are very particular and they very mechanical in the way they want to play which is not really how you want to go in a relegation dogfight you see a lot of teams just play percentages probably more leaning so towards Nathan James football than Sellers uh, but because it's so intricate and because he wants his number 10s in the right positions and there's no striker it might some people might think oh it's, it's a little bit pragmatic a little bit boring but a little bit defensive as well but I think Slamson need to have a bit more width I think Walcott who, imagine us saying that about three or four months ago he, he looks like the, yeah he's the key player he's the one that runs in behind he stretches play and Bournemouth's defence is slow. Adam Smith is, has seen better days. Jack Stevens won't be there. Chris Mepham, slow 1v1. Zabani, he could play, he could make his debut. The young Ukrainian lad, he's good, but he's obviously it's just going to be his first in that game. And Lloyd Kelly, who has basically been in and out the team and he's playing at left back now. And, you know, he's six foot four or whatever, and he's not too good at turning uh, in quick uh, quickly. So I think if Walcott's there, I think if Salamson can be on a front foot, pressurise, then they can take advantage and hopefully ease the nerves early on. Glenn, I've still got you down for that 1-0 defeat. Do you want to stick with that or do you want to to change in terms of your prediction? No, I'll I'll stick with that. Um, (laughs) This team has so many times this season proven incapable to back up one decent performance with another and and obviously you know it's well documented how we've done against the, the poorer teams especially the ones who just sit in like you know Jacob says Bournemouth are going to do so on the other side of that Bournemouth are usually terrible when they play us for some reason they did they seem to build it up as some big thing which we don't and <laughs> um and and then they then they're terrible and that's what happened in the game at uh, at Dean Court I don't know whatever it's called these days uh the vitality shed um it, it, that seemed to be the um you know what happened there so and we won that relatively comfortably even though it was only one nil 
so it's a case of you know will will they be worse than us i don't know i'm not expecting it to be a particularly good game i'm just uh it's it's just it's just hope that we can break the habit of a lifetime and um put away mm. a team that we really should put away but i would still say the most logical um based on this season scoreline on um, on on thursday is one nil to them yeah i can see it be a carbon copy of the the palace game steve you get a bit more optimistic about it your score prediction um yeah i mean my my kind of sort of angle that i'm looking at from a relatively i mean just pure sort of hope perspective is that um, <laughs> is that most most of our wins this season have been in doubles so we've done the double over leicester we've done the double over chelsea that's four of our six wins okay um so do the double over bournemouth why not why not and we've shown suddenly we've we've shown that we can score goals all again and I mean, Bournemouth, Bournemouth's defence is garbage, isn't it? Come on, we've got to got to be able to score against a team that's not won- going for three 0 I mean, one, once again, Bournemouth's back four has conceded sixty goals in the Premier League season um, already. So yeah, um, two 0 Two 0 Right, I can see Tall Paul starting up front in your uh, your lottery. Oh God, I haven't, I haven't seen, uh, I haven't seen, no. his, I haven't seen <laughs> his, first, his first touch we, on Friday. Can night. we talk? Can we talk about that? He's dreadful, isn't he? My yeah. word. I don't think anybody's going to be oh. clamouring for him to start between now and the end of the season. I think we're all we're over that one. We're good. Jacob, score prediction from you, please. If this was going to be a game where Paul Paul would start, it's got to be this one because Bournemouth can't defend crosses at all. But I play for the corners. I'd probably bring him on. Yeah, Lianco long throws or Benerit long throws. The last twenty. I th- call me mad, but I think Salamson are going to turn up for once, and I think they're going to build on that first half against <laughs> Arsenal, and I think they will blow Bournemouth away. I think Nurse. Bournemouth. Will- I think Bournemouth will you know, build this one up. Mad. They, they will build this one up. They've been talking about it. They've been messaging me for like five months about it. I think Southampton will win 3 0. Right. Okay. I mean, the good thing is, it's not like this is recorded or online or anything. So, I'm putting it um, out there. If you're watching mind. along, um, you can stick your predictions in the comments, by yeah, the way. Uh, che- yeah. Cheers, Sean Longstaff, by the way. <laughs> Now, it was funny watching Spurs crumble uh, at Newcastle. And as much as you wanted to laugh, you then realised that we play them on Sunday. So, um, Steve, you've made this point many a time. Even when we were playing all right and doing well, we never used to win at Newcastle. This is going to be a tough ask. Um, yeah, it is. But by the same token, I mean, there, there is surely no no way on God's green earth that we could possibly be as bad as Spurs were in those first 25 minutes today. I mean, genuinely, I don't think I've seen a Premier League a Premier League team, let alone one that's got designs of being in the Champions League. Just any Premier League team just fart out that perform that sort of <laughs> level of performance. It was just pathetic, absolutely pathetic from from start to finish. I mean, they've they've obviously conceded five goals in what 20, 21 minutes, mm. and then they've decided that the solution to this problem is to bring on the guy that the the entire home fan base a week ago were booing to the rafters. Absolute insanity that of what's what's going on at Tottenham at the moment. So yeah, I mean we'll we'll go we'll go to Newcastle with a plan similar I would imagine similar to what similar to what we had on Friday night. Newcastle are are, are a largely attack minded team these days. They're not they're not the sort of Steve Bruce bore everyone into submission types. They will they will fancy their chances against us and they will come at us and that gives us that gives us the space um, to hopefully do do what we did on do what we did again on Friday night and hope that we can be equally as economical with our um, with our finishing. 
I mean, Eddie Howe, Glenn, would love to stick the final nail in the coffin, but is it about taking those positives from the Arsenal game into this one and just channeling what worked really well? Yeah, well, the main the main positive to take from the Arsenal game and, and the other games that we've done all right against the big teams this year is, is that we needn't go to Newcastle fearing them just because they're third in the league or wherever they are. You know, we can we can go out there and give them a game if they if they give us space, which they probably will flying forward. You know, I mean, I thought the second leg of the um, Carabao Cup game, I thought, you know, we we looked OK in, in patches and that just that we had a dreadful start and we were already out of the game. But we, you know, we looked half decent up there then. So hopefully the players can sort of like take the positives from that and and the Arsenal performance and and think there's no reason why we, we can't get something out of this. But I mean, at the end of the day, Newcastle are where they are for a reason and they're, they're closing in on a Champions League spot. So having even having one six one today, they're not exactly going to be taking it easy next week. So it's um it's a very uh, it's a very difficult game. And you know, we all know how Eddie Howe's teams are going to set up. I, I mean I think they're better than they were earlier on in the season with um they've got Isaac seems to be in the team now and mm-hmm. he's a better player than Callum Wilson. Gives you all sorts of different problems. So uh, and obviously Bruno's back after his um after his red card now. So um and their defence is very, very good. So, you know, we've got to hopefully do what we uh, what we did to Arsenal, as Steve said. But, I mean, their, their defence is light years better than, than Arsenal's. So it, it, it is going to be tough. But, um, I, you know, I, I fancy a kind of low-scoring game in this one. But hopefully we can get something out of it. But it won't matter a damn thing if we don't beat Bournemouth on Thursday. No, it's a long old trip for you as well, Jacob. Does it all depend on how Thursday goes? Because it, it, it is, you know, relatively speaking, it's a quick turnaround. I mean, personally, I don't want to see any players rested. They can rest in the summer all they like. But it, it, it will depend largely, I guess, on, on Thursday and maybe who comes in, who does well, and maybe trying to carry a bit of momentum if, if Thursday goes all right. Yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward. If Southampton win, you stick with the team. And if, if they don't, then Saints are probably down and uh, you can just to play what you want, really. Uh, I think Shea Adams could be back potentially for that Newcastle game, so that could give you something. Obviously, I think we've started to realise throughout the course of the season that Shea Adams is still Sam's best striker. We've missed still, him, yeah. Yep, still the most important. He's, he misses a lot of chances, but he creates a lot. He works, you know, his backside off. And when you when he's not there, you start to feel him. I think Slamson got absolutely battered in that first 20 minutes so James was part through switch to play through that five at the back if I remember with Walker Peters left wing back and oh, it was just it was horrible to watch and then once they changed their back four Slamton started to get into it Lavia started to have a bit more control in it and I think the, the key for Slamton is to stop Bruno playing through midfield and if you're going to stop Bruno you've got to make sure Charlie Alcaraz is actually doing his job defensively so we need to watch out and see if uh, Ruben does stick with uh, with Charlie Alcaraz in that game but I think it will be low scoring like Glenn says but I'd probably say Newcastle just have enough Okay Glenn score prediction from you please Um what does that low scoring game look like? Like I say, it, dep- it all depends on the um on the on the Thursday game. So let's assume we win on Thursday and we'll go to we'll go to Newcastle and I reckon it could be a nil nil. Okay. Which in clean sheet. Yeah. Decent. Uh Steve. It's almost as mad as your three nil prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean a nil nil would be would be great on and it'd be particularly satisfying as well if we if we went up and, and earned a nil nil by doing eddie howe things um of just because <laughs> i mean art. oh yeah massively it would be it would be immense you, you really satisfying. don't like him do you he's a <laughs> look, just look 
fucking Christ. Alex. Um, just... Just one of those, just one of those faces that you would absolutely love to punch. You set um, him off, no, Glenn. You set oh him off. God. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I still suspect we will probably get beat because, as mentioned, we've we've been good in the past and still gone up there and got and um, got beat. So, yeah, probably two uh, two nil Newcastle. Okay, right, and uh, Jacob, your longest trip of the season. Yeah, uh, I think. And true to Steve, I think Eddie Howe's a wonderful manager and could have been Salamta's manager had Ralph been sacked a, a year or so earlier. Um, and I wonder what Steve's reaction would have been then. Uh, I think Salamta need to be actually quite um, <laughs> a bit more subtle with uh, their time wasting because I don't know how Gavin Bazuna escapes a yellow card the other night. But anyway, I think Salamta will, will go there, give it a go. I think they'll be attacking threat, but they'll ultimately lose 2 1. 2 1. Uh, okay, 2 1. And if you're watching live, stick your uh, predictions into the comments. A couple of other bits. Steve, a great result for the B team today. I know that you were kind of following that one along. Just sum that up for us because that, that means I think second place in the league is, is pretty much guaranteed after that win at Norwich today. Uh, yes. So 5 2 win away at Norwich at Carrow Road. Um, looked like quite a big crowd crowd in there for that, which is quite surprising given how bad Norwich have been, well, their first team have been. Uh, for the most for most of this season, but yeah, good good five two win, which leaves us leaves us level on points with Leeds. So our our season's finished um, from a regular season perspective. We played played all twenty games. Uh, Leeds have got one to play, which is against West Brom, I think next week, and they are level on points with us, but one goal behind on goal difference. So basically, any result for for Leeds will see them finish top and get automatic promotion, and that would consign us to. Um, to a playoff place but if Leeds were to lose to West Brom which um, West Brom are in the playoffs and pushing I think they can they can still finish a one place higher if Leeds lost lose that game then we'll we'll win the title and get and get automatic promotion so um, yeah fingers crossed for that it's exciting times though Jacob I mean Don Ballard again Kamari Doyle involved today I know you've written a few pieces about the the pathway to the first team and I know in the the mailbag that you did this week, a lot of people asking about, you know, are these players going to be key for for next season? There's still a lot up in the air before we really know who who would be starting and where they might be starting. But it it, it could be a nice problem to have. It it is. I think we will only realise and know and get an understanding of whether they'll be in the plans next season. Is when that preseason trips announced and whoever's in the squad. I think a lot of those players uh, have been offered new contracts. You know, Don Ballard and Cammy Dole, their contracts run out in twenty twenty four. Stanton would like to tie them down to a longer term deal. They've offered them off lucrative terms, but the problem isn't money. We know which was the Jimmy J Morgan accusation. It is where there's a pathway, and because there's so many players, I know a lot will leave in the in the window. There's still you know, a long way to go to even make this match day squad. Um, I think Camido and Don Bala want to be playing first team football, or at least be around it, uh, and they're probably looking at you know what's going on at Stamson saying okay you want a bit of experience but how's that work for you you've got these other younger lads who are not really cutting it in in the first team these guys have been working you know throughout the season you know Don Ballard had a taste temporary under Nathan Jones uh, but then got left out altogether and I think there's been opportunities throughout the season where stick him on the bench play five six minutes you know perhaps put Ballard in there instead of Sikumara at times this season. So I think next year there'll be a lot of change uh, in the first team and it will just all depend on how well the B 
team's doing and whether there's a pathway for these players because there's been a lot of progress recently in the B team and the under-18s. It's just whether they get a chance to prove it in the first team. But of course, a lot will be dependent on whoever the manager is. Yeah, and it could be a very different discussion this time next weekend. Glenn, I don't know if you caught the women's result as well today. Um, Another decent win for them. Looks like a mid-table finish, but some good wins along the way. And I would say maybe a solid first season in the, the championship. Yeah, I think it has been overall. It's 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 nice, you know. They had a sort of like four or five weeks where they they weren't getting results and weren't scoring any goals. So it's it's nice that they've won the last the last two to um, to sort of like give the give the season a respectable end. I don't know who they've got to play. They've got one one game left. Sheffield, Sheffield United. Sheffield United. So that's St Mary's as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's another opportunity mm-hmm. to win because they're down near the bottom. So uh, yeah, so hopefully they get that result as well, and um, I think that would make them finish fifth or maybe sixth so that's a decent first season if you get promoted and you're not remotely in the relegation picture then in your first season then that then that's good and um they'll be looking at pushing on next season and uh and trying to challenge but as steve has said before it's very difficult to get out of this league upwards because mm. there's it's just one place so whether that will change don't know but uh but no overall i think they'll be um they'll be pretty happy with the with the season and how it's gone but uh i'm sure they'll be uh like there was at the end of last season there'll be quite a churn of um players as there always always seems to be in a women's game and uh, hopefully they can uh, they can kick on next year well it's always nice to finish on a couple of positives it's going to be a big week don't forget you can follow total saints podcast on facebook and twitter it's at total saints pod on the website totalsaints.co.uk there's a link on there to the online shop and you can drop us an email if you like during the week you'll also find us on patreon that's where you can find out more about supporting the podcast with the monthly contributions it's patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast now as you probably know we've got four different tiers on there ranging from five pounds to 20 pounds per month and each of the tiers comes with different perks including some shout outs for those patrons in the francis benali and the mick shannon tier so thank you to dave melton mark atkins matt hall andy hollis also anthony thompson who are in our francis benali tier and colt baker dave ernsberger ed busy nick higston phil cook matt rose and nick reed in the mick shannon tier thank you to glenn thanks to steve thanks to jacob for joining us thank you for watching uh, let's hope for a really positive week and we'll catch you again soon the Talksport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year as football fans we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.